here at Good Shepherd. Our current sermon series is on the Lord's Prayer. We're going slowly through the Lord's Prayer, looking at one request per week. There are six requests or petitions in the Lord's Prayer, and today we've reached the fourth of those six petitions. As you can see, we've also printed the surrounding verses there on page 11. But our second Bible reading today is just one short verse, Matthew 6, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let's now bow our heads and pray for God to be at work among us through the preaching of his word. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Father, we want to hear Jesus' voice. Please, by your Spirit, would we hear it now through the preaching of his word? And would we then follow Jesus to the glory of his name? Amen. In the early 16th century, the Polish astronomer Nicholas Copernicus wrote an essay introducing the concept of a heliocentric universe, meaning a universe with the sun at the center instead of planet Earth. Before Copernicus, astronomers thought it was the other way around. They thought the Earth was at the center of everything. Copernicus's understanding of the universe became known as the Copernican Revolution. Centuries later, scientists discovered that the sun isn't at the center of the whole universe. It's just at the center of our own solar system. But that was more of an adjustment than a revolution. The key move was made by Copernicus. His work dislodged planet Earth from the center of things and put something else there in its place, the sun. The Lord's Prayer can do something similar in your life. It can bring about the spiritual equivalent of the Copernican Revolution. Take a look, please, at verses 9 and 10 on page 11. Those verses contain the first half of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first half of the Lord's Prayer is about God. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's only when we reach the second half of the Lord's Prayer that the focus shifts to us. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, lead us not into temptation. The order is clear, first God, then us. It's the spiritual equivalent of the Copernican revolution. Our instinct is so often to think first about what God can do for us. But the Lord's Prayer dislodges us from first place and puts God there. It's only after our minds and hearts have been filled with God's affairs his name, his kingdom, his will, that the Lord's Prayer then moves on to our own personal affairs. When we look through the telescope of the Lord's Prayer, we discover that 
we revolve around God. He does not revolve around us. I wonder if that spiritual equivalent of the Copernican revolution wounds your pride a little bit. We tend to think we're at the centre of things, don't we? But it is good for us to have our pride wounded, wounded in that way. It's good for us to be put in our proper place. Knowing our proper place and settling into it can help us with problems that plague the modern world, including many Christians. Problems like discontentment and anxiety and burnout. It's good for us to be put in our proper place. The fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer is the first of the three us requests. But even though the focus has now shifted to our own personal affairs, the Lord's Prayer continues to put us in our place. Praying for daily bread underlines the lowliness of our position in relation to God's position. The fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer makes us aware of three dependencies. And for the remainder of the sermon, we're going to look at each of these three dependencies in turn. They will keep us right where we need to be in our proper place in relation to God. The first dependency is that we need bread. We need bread. In Jesus' time, bread was the staple food, so Jesus is using bread as a way of talking about food in general. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, we're asking for a day's intake of food. Generally speaking, we need a day's portion of food every day. It's true, we can get through a day without eating, although if you're expending a lot of energy, it's actually very hard to do that. Generally speaking, today we'll need a day's portion of food. Tomorrow we'll need another day's portion of food, and so on for the rest of our lives. What does that tell you about yourself? One thing it tells you is that you're not God. Unlike us, God has no daily needs. Remember what he said to Moses at the burning bush, I am who I am. God is who he is, he always has been who he is, and he always will be who he is. He's not dependent on anything outside of himself for existence. John Piper puts it like this, My heart burns when I hear God say, I am who I am. It burns when I think of the absoluteness of God's existence, never beginning, never ending, never becoming, never improving. He simply and absolutely is. End quote. How different it is with us. We depend on our daily portion of food for ongoing existence in this world. Take our daily portion away and we would hunger and wither and starve and ultimately die. God does not have to look beyond himself for existence. We do. When we meditate on our daily need for food, it brings a kind of drama to each day. In the early 1950s, the Korean War left many children in Korea as orphans. Orphanages were set up, and in one of those orphanages, the nurses discovered 
that even after three full meals, the orphans struggled to get to sleep at night because they were worried they might not have food again the following day. Those children knew from their wartime experiences that having food one day didn't necessarily mean having it the next day as well. But the nurses figured out a solution. When the children went to bed at night, they would put a small loaf of bread in each child's hand. The bread wasn't meant to be eaten. The children were full. The bread was given to them to show them that there would be food for them tomorrow. That nighttime bread helped the children get to sleep. It took away their anxiety about the daily food drama. Those children were deeply conscious of the daily food drama. But for most of us in New York City in 2021, it's not something we think about at all. We're completely oblivious to the daily food drama. We forget it exists, but it does exist. The homeless people of New York City, our neighbors on the streets, would, I'm sure, confirm to us that the daily food drama exists. The people of Afghanistan would confirm to us that the daily food drama exists. In the words of David Beasley from the UN's World Food Programme, 95% of the people of Afghanistan don't have enough food. And now we're looking at 23 million people marching towards starvation. That's happening right now in Afghanistan. Whether we're aware of it or not, human beings face a daily food drama. Every day is a need bread day. It's a need that puts us in our place by reminding us of our creatureliness. One life application that springs from that reminder is to live within your creaturely limits. That's why I said earlier that the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer has something to say about burnout. It teaches us that we have limits. One of the quickest ways to make life miserable for yourself is to say yes to a job or a project or a big favor for a friend that you simply do not have time for. Human beings have been created with limits and it's wise to live within those limits. We can probably all think of exceptions to that principle, good exceptions. Sometimes there are seasons when God calls us to live right up to the very edge of our capabilities and even beyond what we think we're capable of. As a general principle, we need to sign a peace agreement with our own createdness, if you see what I mean. We need to acknowledge our creaturely limits and live within them so that we can carry out our God-given responsibilities faithfully. It is rather tragic when, by trying to do too much, we end up doing nothing as well as it should be done. The fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer puts us in our place by reminding us of our creaturely limits. Let's press on now to the second of the three dependencies brought to our attention when we pray, give us today our daily bread. The first was, we need bread. The second dependency is, we need God to give us bread. We need God to give us bread. 
We've seen that the daily food drama puts us in our place by reminding us of our limits. But the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer doesn't stop there. When we pray to God, give us today our daily bread, we're lifting our eyes to him as our provider. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to learn to depend on God as the ultimate source of our food. There was a time in salvation history when God's people couldn't avoid noticing that they were dependent on God for their daily food. That time was when the Israelites were traveling in the wilderness between Egypt and Canaan. We heard about it in our first Bible reading. Each morning, the Israelites had to go out and collect a day's supply of manna. We're told in Exodus 16 that the manna was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Sounds pretty good, I would say. The Israelites weren't allowed to gather more than one day's supply, apart from on the day before the Sabbath. On that day, they gathered two days' supply of manna so they wouldn't have to go out and collect it on the Sabbath. So, with the exception of the Sabbath, every day of the week, the Israelites would wake up hungry in a foodless tent. They knew their empty bellies would only be filled if God had rained down fresh manna from heaven. It was impossible for them to deny their dependence on God for daily food. When the Israelites entered the promised land, they didn't need manna anymore because they had access to the food of Canaan. Joshua chapter 5 tells us the manna stopped the day after they ate food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. From a spiritual perspective, that change from depending on manna to eating from the land of Canaan, that change was dangerous for the Israelites from a spiritual perspective. Listen to these words of warning spoken by Moses in Deuteronomy 8. When you have eaten and are satisfied, Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and when your herds and flocks grow large, then your heart will become proud and you may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So according to Moses, when the Israelites' daily need for manna is taken away, there's a danger they'll become proud and forget God. They'll start giving themselves the credit for the food in their larders, patting themselves on the back. Moses wants them instead to keep giving God the credit because God is the ultimate provider. Remember the Lord your God, Moses says, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The same message is found elsewhere in the Bible. Psalm 104 praises God for making plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth, bread that sustains his heart. In other words, it is God who created wheat and barley and maize and oats 
and rice and potatoes and yams and all the other staple food crops. Without God's creative power, there would be no bread. Think of it. No bagels. No baguettes. No focaccia. No naan bread. No pumpernickel. No pita bread. No soda bread. Without bread, there would be no pizza. It would just be a sort of tomato sauce and pepperoni slop that you would have to eat with a spoon. Without bread, you would have nothing to put peanut butter on. Psalm 104 acknowledges that it is mankind who cultivates the plants that produce bread, but it gives glory to God for creating the plants. In 1 Chronicles 29, after the people have contributed generously to an offering to pay for the construction of the temple, King David says these memorable words to God. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. James chapter 1 similarly says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. All those verses teach us that our food comes down from heaven just as it did when the Israelites collected manna in the wilderness. It's less obviously heaven-sent, but it's still heaven-sent. And that's why it makes sense for us to pray this fourth petition, give us today our daily bread. Since food ultimately comes from God, it is right to ask God to provide it for us. Asking God for for bread day by day puts us in our place. Jesus is teaching us that we depend on God to make it through the daily food drama. When we take that to heart, it will stir up gratitude. When I look down in the morning at my bowl of oatmeal sprinkled with brown sugar, I should say to myself, he did it again. Hallelujah, God did it again. And if we accept the principle that food comes from God because all good things come from him, we'll start giving him thanks for all the other good things in our lives. Clothes and a, a warm, dry apartment with furniture and books and a TV, all generously given by God. Gratitude is the antidote to discontentment because it opens our eyes to see the many things in our lives that we have that we don't deserve to have. By putting us in our place, the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer stirs up a gratitude attitude that leads to contentment. Well, it's time for us to move on to the third of the three dependencies brought to our attention by this petition. First, we need bread. Second, we need God to give us bread. Third, we need God to give us more than bread. We need God to give us more than bread. The Lord's Prayer is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And later in the same sermon, Jesus returns to the subject of daily bread. He says in Matthew 6, verse 25, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. So in the same sermon, Jesus tells his disciples, first, that they should pray for daily food, and second, that they shouldn't be anxious about their food. 
put those together and what do we learn? We learn that prayer is essential for overcoming anxiety. And that principle applies to all the things we might be anxious about, not just food. As the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Then in the very next verse, Paul says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're anxious about something today, if you've come to this service anxious about something, can I ask, have you truly committed it to God in prayer? Let's not forget that the Lord's Prayer begins with the words, Our Father in heaven. Our father-child relationship with God should encourage us to speak to him in prayer, bringing all our needs to him in prayer, not just our need for bread. God's love for us surpasses the love of any human parent for their child. As Jesus says to his disciples later in the Sermon on the Mount, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There is great comfort for us in God's fatherly care combined with his heavenly power. We can trust he'll answer our prayers lovingly and wisely. He's our heavenly Father. Sometimes he will say no to our prayers. At such times we'll need to trust that in his fatherly love he knows what is best for us better than we do ourselves. Listen to these challenging words from Francis Schaeffer's book, True Spirituality. When we say God the Father is our Father, to the extent that we have a less than trusting attitude toward him, we are denying what we say we believe. I'll read that again. When we say God the Father is our Father, to the extent that we have a less than trusting attitude toward him, we're denying what we say we believe. The fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer puts us in our place with children, coming to our Father in heaven for all that we need. And it is good to be put in our place. Because as Jesus says just before the Lord's Prayer, your Father knows what you need. He knows about the problems in your life that are making you anxious. And since he has the love and the power to see to those things in the best possible way in his sight, we can rest in him and enjoy that peace that Paul speaks of in Philippians, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It is good to be put in our place. The message of the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer is that there is bread in God. There is bread in God. 
that is there to be asked for by those who accept their proper place as children with a heavenly father. If you're listening today as someone who hasn't yet entered into that father-child relationship, you could enter into it today. You need the bread that God offers. You need Jesus, who elsewhere in the New Testament describes himself as the bread of God. He says in John 6, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. To give the world that life, Jesus, God's son, came down from heaven and died on the cross. As he died, he received the punishment for sin that we deserve so that all who trust in him would be spared that punishment. He died in our place. Put your trust in the God who gives bread from heaven, his own son, as well as bread from the earth. Reflecting on Jesus' death in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? There's more bread in God than we can imagine for those who settle into their proper place before him with hands open to receive. Let's pray to him now. Father in heaven, we thank you for the bread you give us. Bread that we can anticipate eating later today. Bread that we may have already eaten this morning. Thank you for being so generous to us, meeting our needs. We thank you above all for giving us bread from heaven, your own Son, the Lord Jesus, who gives us life through receiving our punishment in our place through his death on the cross. What wonderful bread he is. We thank you for him. Amen.